Now this is just getting silly. Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. But James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of F1 in Review, the episode and the hour where we unpack a rather hectic and memorable week of this year's summer break. I'm Tom Claymore and as ever I'm joined by Tristan Fangort and Angus Gallagher. A reminder, you can follow myself and Tristan individually on Twitter as well as the F1 in Review accounts. We post our episodes there when they go out on River Radio and when they're published as a podcast. And we continue really where we left off with the catalyst of all catalysts, the news that Fernando Alonso, the 41-year-old Spaniard will be joining Aston Martin, jumping ship from Alpine, and in a statement posted on social media and on Aston Martin's website, he said, This Aston Martin team is clearly applying the energy and commitment to win, apparently, and is therefore one of the most exciting teams in Formula 1 today. No one in F1 today has demonstrated a greater vision and absolute commitment to winning, and that makes it a really exciting opportunity for me. And... I mean, these notes are now redundant beneath it, but I feel I have to go and say it of um, who's going to replace him. Well, that's a rather controversial subject we'll get into, but it is silly season. It is the summer break where we normally see all the chess pieces move around in the grid form for next season. But what do we make in isolation, at least, of Fernando Alonso going from Alpine to Aston Martin after so many of Aston Martin's personnel, sponsors and the like were going the other way last season? Uh, yes, well... You know, news seems to be like buses. You wait around for something to come up and it all comes at once. I feel like between last week and this week, a massive amount has, <laughs> has come along our way. And to be fair, I, I'm quite pleased we didn't cover this um, last week and instead focused on Sebastian Vettel and his departure from Aston Martin because now we have, I think, quite a nice show planned, really, with all the interlinking topics, as, as Tom, you say. It is now silly season, you know, again, um, which is quite nice after all those years of, of stagnant F1 um, sport. It's nice that we've had, a, a you know, a good couple of years now of quite exciting um, things happening. And if you were thinking, well, it's a summer break, you know, nothing happens in the summer break. Well, uh, you know, actually, no, loads of things are happening at the moment. And it was, I suppose, all kicked off by Alonso's decision to move, which, to be honest, you know, I like to think that I have my ear to the ground and I try and pay attention to everything that's going on and try and make predictions by what drivers are saying. I listen to uh, their interviews. I, I listen to the press conferences that occur, you know, and this completely blindsided me. His departure. I mean, it will be the first time he has driven a Mercedes-powered Formula One car since his time at McLaren in 2007. If I'm wrong, well, I'm sorry, but I think that's correct. Um, mm. Which is nuts. I just... But why Aston Martin? Uh, Tom, you said it's a vision. You know, a, a vision... I don't think it is. I don't think Aston Martin is a vision, has a vision. It has even a a winning mentality at the moment. I feel like Aston Martin is, is currently a vessel for transporting Lance Stroll round a track at 200 <laughs> miles an hour. You know, there, there's nothing else to it than that. I don't... And I don't really see how Alonso fits in there either. Because Alonso's a feisty middle-aged man. You know, I'm using middle-aged in a in a very uh, adaptive way. There, you know, he's only um, in his forties, but I don't see 
how he will get along with the team because historically speaking, Alonso hasn't been afraid to pull his punches and criticize a team. Let's not forget when he went to when he went to McLaren, when McLaren brought back in Honda, right, around the two thousand and sort of sixteen era, he was completely opposed to McLaren's strategy. He mocked the team. He and Jensen Button sunbathed ironically when the cars broke down he called them a gp2 engine he kept saying it's a gp2 engine when they were failing to make any gains this isn't a man that's cohesive within a team if it's not going his way and he's going to be pitted against lawrence stroll and lance stroll two individuals that don't take kindly to criticism you know for 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 alonso to take up the second seat I feel like you ha- you you have to trade something with with Aston Martin, and that thing is your ability to be independent. When you join a team like Aston Martin, you have to basically hush up the fact that you don't like things because you know there's a higher power, and that it higher power in this case is Lawrence Stroll. I don't know. I I do you see what I mean? I don't think mm. that Alonso is particularly compatible with the style of team that Aston Martin is at the moment. <sighs> that's the sound of me sighing because I don't know why Fernando's done this um, <laughs> it's just yeah there's so many strange things about it I mean I completely forget if we look at the circumstances as to why he's left um, Alpine in the first place so basically he's been he's 41 years old so he's in Formula 1 terms he's old yeah for sure but he's still performing at a high level he's still outperforming Ocon this year I know the points table uh, suggests that Ocon has beaten him quite consistently but in reality Fernando Alonso has had a lot more bad luck and more reliability problems which have cost him the chance to have more points than Ocon so he's th- he's still doing well for the team he's still got that pace he's still got that that um, that tenacity that he's always had but the thing is he didn't feel as valued by Alpine so he's been on a two year contract and they wanted to offer him a one plus one. So one year plus an extra year if he was still good, basically. Hmm. Um, and then if he wasn't still good, Oscar Piastri, who again we'll talk about later, would slot right into the team to replace him. And Esteban Ocon's on an extra two years after this one anyway, so he's in for the relatively long term. But Aston Martin could offer what they, what they call a multi-year deal to Alonso. Now that's understood based on what I've read from some well-known journalists to be a two-year at least plus one. So instead of a one plus one, it's a two plus one, if you get my drift. So why he's left in the first place, maybe he feels he's not been treated with enough respect by his team. Maybe he feels that he's just a stopgap for Piastri. Although I'd argue that at 41, whilst he may continue to be good for a few years, he's arguably a stopgap for anybody wherever he goes at that age. And in, in, in another... In another alternate universe, when the top three teams aren't all signed up and ready, so that's Verstappen and Perez at Red Bull, Leclerc and Sainz at Ferrari, Hamilton and Russell at Mercedes. In in an alternate universe where there is a seat there, maybe he gets a look in. But at the moment, wherever he goes, whether it's Alpine, whether it's McLaren, whether it's Aston Martin, whether it's Haas, or any other team, if any of those teams are thinking of getting towards the front, they are not getting there for a few years yet. And he is like, he would have to wait until realistically he's 44, 45 to have a shot at like race wins or world championships. And who's to say that by then he won't eventually drop off? He will eventually drop off. Everyone does. He can't keep going until he's 50. Um, but and, but I, get he's, I get he's still good now. You see, he's still good. Like that front row in Canada he got was phenomenal. Um, some of his starts, like he, there's a start, I think it was in France, where he got from like ninth to fifth on the first lap. He's still vintage Alonso in many respects. But I don't know, Aston again, Aston Martin, like it's not it's not what I would have chosen. The statement, like you said, that statements I get which are released statements which are released like that, I get they they partially have to be like PR corporate waffle. So <laughs> stuff like, oh, they're the team with the best winning mentality and they are the the best place to be in Formula One at the moment. Well, yes, they are Fernando the best place to be, but they're the best place to be when the top three teams are out of a seat. When your current team doesn't want you as much, possibly, or isn't willing to give you a longer contract, and when no other team looks like they have a chance of getting to the front, 
if we were to, if I was to play devil's advocate, I might say that Aston Martin have got lots of notorious uh, high up staff. So hiring Mike Crack as a team principal is a good move, I reckon, because of his experience of winning championships in other categories of motorsport. Martin Whitmarsh, former chief of operations and team principal at McLaren, great appointment, very experienced. Um, losing Otmar Safnau was a Safnau was a blow, admittedly. Uh, ironically to Alpine, you know, look at the, look where he fits <laughs> in now. Um, and and Lawrence Stroll, for all we for all we take the mick out of Lawrence Stroll and like his his willingness to get to put his son in a world championship car, even if it takes thirty odd years or whatever, it's still like Lawrence Stroll is like a man with a lot of money and he's investing a lot of money in this team, and he's investing a lot of money in facilities, which you'd think hopefully would one day pay off. Um, there is a chance it doesn't pay off. There's a chance it, it ends up being like a pick like like when Toyota were in Formula One and they threw billions at it. That's probably not an exaggeration, and they never had anything to never a race win to produce for it, so they had to pull the plug. That could happen to Aston Martin, but Aston Martin's at least throwing the resources at it, I guess. So if I was Alonso, I might think, well, you know what, there is like some resources there. There's something to go to. But on the flip side. He's not going to see the benefits of it. He's 41. He's going to drop off eventually. If Aston Martin in five years' time are a championship-winning team, will he still be there? Doubt it. Like, So it's a move that, for me, doesn't make sense, if I was to put it, if I was to put it bluntly. Like, not that... Not, maybe time's running out for him regardless, like wherever he'd go, but Aston Martin, does he really want to spend the next couple of years being, like, fighting for points again when... At least in the LP, he's fighting for top fives. I don't know. Like, it's, it feels panicked, to be honest. This is a bad move. This is a bad move for driver and constructor, really, in many ways. First of all, for Alpine, they're now floundering around looking for a second drive, which we'll get into, or a first drive, or someone to fill the gap. And you've got Alonso going to Aston Martin, and... As you say, he's 41 years old. He's spoken around all the benefits that the team have moving forward, all the facilities at Silverstone, how they're going to be great. Yeah, they're going to be great, maybe, when Alonso's retired. It seems like a very desperate move. It seems in many ways like, as we say there, Alonso's almost running from a fight, really, from Ocon, because Ocon's not being too compliant with how Alonso sees things with his within his team. He's fought on many occasions. I think of the last race, for example, I think of in the Middle East and Saudi Arabia, he didn't yield to Alonso regardless of his age and experience. So in many ways, I think that Alonso is doing himself a disservice there by going to a regressive team. It's a regressive move, really, because Alpine has shown that they're still a very competent team. They're doing well this season. We see, on paper at least, and if the reliability issues get sorted, they have arguably one of the best cars on the grid. The Golf was well to Aston Martin. I mean, currently, if you're looking at it in terms of points, it's an 80-point gap between Alpine and Aston Martin. And we see that, you know, it's, it's the same old system for Aston Martin, isn't it? You have Lance Stroll and an experienced world-class, bordering on past-prime driver. It was a chance, wasn't it, I think, in many ways, for Aston Martin to really have a look at themselves in the mirror and decided what they wanted to be. Did they want to go down the same old strategy of bringing an older head to go and teach uh, Lance Stroll, even though that didn't happen last time with Vettel? Do they want to go and plan more for the longer term? We hear so much, don't we, about the longer-term plan, the vision, how they want to go and be uh, contenders for the future when it comes to both the Drivers' and Constructors' Championship. Yep, they hire somebody who's at the tail end of his career. I mean, Raikkonen retired when he was 41 years old. I can't imagine Alonso is going to go much further than one or two years. So then you're back to square one. So with Vettel leaving, it was a chance to look at someone like Nick De Vries, to look at someone like Albon, to look at someone like Oscar Piastri, someone younger where he can go and build you know, a solid, a solid uh, driver partnership of Lance Stroll and somebody else. But now they've just gone for a sort of a short-termist, desperate strategy, really. And I can't see how this is going to work because Alonso's a driver, I imagine, he's not only well, he's here, he's not only disruptive, but I can't imagine he's moved for a, a cheap contract, shall we say? And it leaves me in a situation thinking that Aston Martin just haven't learned from their mistakes. It seems that the whole world is saying to them, you need to go and do something different. It's not working out this way. You need to go and think more longer term. And that's just 
not what they're going for in terms of their strategy. And I can't imagine they're going to be fighting for championships moving forwards or moving up the grid. Yes, they have the ability to perhaps leap over Alpha Tauri, Haas, even Alpha Romeo maybe, but that takes you up to sixth. And I can't imagine them getting much further up the grid than you know fifth. McLaren, for example, I, I imagine they're here to stay when it comes to their position moving forwards now that the dust is settling when it comes to the regulations. And Alonso as well, looking at how Aston Martin have done things this season, they've come in with a questionable design, similar to Mercedes, where either was going to work perfectly or it didn't. It obviously hasn't. They're scrapping down there with Williams. And I just do not see this idea that there's a winning mentality there. They're more committed than anybody else in Formula 1 to win. They have a great vision. I mean, if anything, they have the exact opposite, really. But... um. I wish Alonso well, but I can see nothing but this all just falling apart horribly and neither of them winning, really. A chance for Aston Martin to do things differently, but once again, they've just passed up a circle, really. It's very difficult to know what Alonso is really thinking, because I, I can't imagine someone like Alonso is entering into this deal thinking about potential world championships. Surely not. I mean, let's face it, you know, we've been talking about Alonso's El Plan, the plan this is surely el retirement plan there's no <laughs> other way to look at this sure like other than that and it would make sense that he would go to aston martin and be lance Stroll's sidekick for his final hurrah in formula one after all lance stroll has a as a fascinating habit of pairing with drivers that have retired or been fired from uh formula one Vettel being his latest casualty if you'd like Lance Stroll is the Grim Reaper of Formula 1 and I can't help but think that Fernando Alonso is going to be yet another name that Lance Stroll tallies to his list of of, um, retired or fired other Formula 1 partners and that's a real shame but I can't I can't help but thinking that what Alonso wants maybe is an easy ride. It's been no secret that he's having conflicts with Alpine and Ocon. And now we know that Ocon isn't exactly opposed to having conflicts with other drivers, especially when those drivers are very fast and very competent. Just look at Ocon Ocon versus Sergio Perez. That was almost disastrous at points. Those two drivers, when they were teamed up together well tried to run each other off the road and then frequently collided and now we've got on one hand we had this Fernando Alonso Ocon duality of a special relationship when Alonso was saying things like ah tell Ocon to fight defend like a lion and on the other hand returning that favor and defending for Ocon so that Ocon could take his win but this year I think I think Alonso is is having more conflicts, there is is more there. And this, again, harks back to the fact that I think Alonso is quite an abrasive character. And we like him in the sport, don't get me wrong, but he, I think he is quite abrasive as an individual. That might have con- contributed to why he, he retired for a bit and then came back. And I don't know. I feel like this is a cooling off period for him now. Uh, a last hurrah to Formula One, and and maybe he wants a legacy. And in Formula One, there are two ways to make a legacy. You either make your name great, which of course he has done from the fact that he is championed Formula One when he was driving for Renault. But maybe he doesn't think that's enough. Maybe he wants to help propel a team to its its next level. We cannot forget that many many drivers get that sort of satisfaction and and not even that but as a as as an advisor as well to teams like Nicky Lauda helped Mercedes get back on its feet and and get into a stupidly dominant position helped also by Michael Schumacher and a bit Nico Rosberg as well but don't let Nico Rosberg hear me saying that otherwise you'll never hear the end of it um Mm -hmm. So maybe this is what Alonso fancies now. He's he's taken the world championship and now he wants to try and improve a team to the constructors championship. But you're absolutely right, both of you, Tom and Angus, that I just I can't see why he picked Aston Martin. I don't think they have the mentality to do it, nor do they have 
I think that the right driver lineup to, to do it either because they're always going to be hampered by Lance Stroll and Aston Martin is always chucking themselves into a really difficult situation because of the Lance Stroll conundrum as I'm going to call it now because they can't get a decent driver because if they get a really decent driver it shows up Lance Stroll and then they have to do the unfortunate thing of giving your really good driver who isn't Lance Stroll in this scenario the first upgrades and things like that you can't prioritize the other driver as and or or they get a terrible driver someone who's worse than Lance Stroll in which case you've got Lance Stroll and a terrible driver and then you don't get anywhere and I feel like Lawrence is holding out on the hope that his son is the next Max Verstappen or uh, another... Huh. <laughs> I know, exactly. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, we would have seen it, right? <laughs> you know, we would have seen this talent emerging from Lance Stroll. And yeah, he's getting better, but, you know, he... that's only because of, of your maximum potential. Like, everyone in Formula 1 has their maximum potential. When Max Verstappen came in, he was not at his maximum potential. And now he is, and he's amazing. But Lance Stroll has had equal opportunities, equal time to, to develop. And I feel like Lance has also reached his maximum potential. And unfortunately, it's it's not good enough. Do you think this is Alonso's final team then, or is he going to go somewhere else? Could he tear up this contract after a year and go, right, sod it, I'm off to Williams? <laughs> Imagine. Uh, surely, surely it's his last one. Surely, I mean, yeah, it's 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 coming towards the end for him. It's not not in terms of his life, his for his Formula One career. That sounded really morbid then. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. but I find it, yeah, it's almost. I don't know. It's almost like this. This team should be his last. It should be one last poor decision in his career, which he's made. It's mad. I've never seen someone in Formula One make so many unfortunately either either poor or unfortunate decisions he joined he joined mclaren when hamilton joined so therefore he caused a rift in the team he joined renault who he just won a championship with two years previously when they were dead slow he joined ferrari uh just as red bull were coming into the mix he then left ferrari just as vettel joined and they started winning he joined so he ended up joining mclaren when they went on a downward spiral um He's left McLaren and now they're better than they used to be. And yeah, now he's joining a rubbish Aston Martin team. So yeah, and he's going there. If I could just touch upon a previous point as well, which both of you made about he wants a he, he wants he wants an easier ride or like a more sort of uh a team where he can stamp more of his authority. I think there is no worse to, pl- place to go stamp your authority than a place where the the literal boss's literal son is one of the, the main employees. If there's one place where he won't get his own way, surely <laughs> it's the place where where your your teammate, your main person you're working with, is propped up by dad. Like surely, mm. like that's surely that's a stinker from him. But maybe maybe they'll get on really well. But if you start, but if if there's one person who would get riled up by possibly a team being dragged down by a driver who happens to be the boss's son, it'd be Fernando Alonso. Um, what's the what's the betting? I know Alonso has mellowed since he went to Alpine. In my opinion, he's like become, but he's not. He's a bit more jokey. I feel this L plan thing is a bit more of a sort of more of a laugh than he used to be when he was deadly serious and never gave you anything. But like he still he still wants his own way. He still um he still got that fire within him. He wouldn't have left Alpine if he didn't have that fire and ability to stand up for himself. So if he doesn't, if he goes into this new team and he doesn't have the ability to stand up for himself like he might have done, what are the odds on Alonso quitting F1 halfway through next year? You know, <laughs> saying he's had enough because he doesn't like Aston Martin. There we go. I start a bet. I start a uh, start a prediction there. There we go. I, I think that's equally plausible. But surely, and I realise that the Strolls aren't the most self-aware individuals in Formula <laughs> One. But surely, if you're bringing Fernando Alonso in, someone who's won multiple world championships, be that with constructors or for himself, you're going to bring him in to listen to him. Because you surely can't, if you're Lance or Lawrence Stroll, go, oh yeah, that's that's great, Fernando. I like what you're saying there, but we're going to do something totally different. Like, surely mm. they have to be sponges almost to go, so Alonso, fella, how do we get to, you know winning things because you've done it so can you just you know what's the magic potion what's the magic potion you know because if they go in there and say right okay you are going to be the older hand you're going to help my son and we will not listen to you i imagine we'll hear about it pretty quickly 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's why they're, I guess, why they're bringing him in. And uh, I have a, another quandary to pose to you, actually, in a moment. But I, I suppose the problem is, is that the assumption within this argument is that Alonso provides good advice. And we can't be sure of this, but I'm, uh, because we, we were not privy to the, the conversations. But when he was at McLaren, you know, he had a massive hand in directing that team. Mm. And it didn't go particularly well. And Alonso's being key to directing many teams, for, uh, you know, and, and also being a strategy director and, and being this external director as well and helping Renault. And, you know, he's not all that, all that brilliant. I feel like sometimes we put too much emphasis on the the old hand, and sometimes what you need is fresh thinking. It's unfortunate, but I feel like they are bringing in Fernando Alonso, but I, I think he's going to be more useful as a driver. And so I, I asked this to you, and I you know I am interested to hear your thoughts. But it is Fernando Alonso going to be more successful in Aston Martin than Lance Stroll? And what's that going to do to the team dynamic? I think he will be more successful. If you look at the current table, for example, Vettel, who's not been on his A-game, is convincingly beating Lance Stroll. Uh, what it will do, that's a great question. I'm, I'm not too sure because I think the wider the gulf gets between them, which is highly plausible, I think the more hostile things will get and you'll see more preferential equipment being given to Lance versus Fernando. But then again, I imagine someone like Vettel or drivers that came before would be a bit more quiet about it. I can't imagine Lonzo will be too quiet about it if he's given a second-rate car. Meanwhile, the, all the upgrades go to Lance because, well, his dad owns the team, really. So... I suppose it hints back to the entire conversation we've been having so far. Of it just seems like a powder keg ready to go. A question of when things go up horribly and he st storms out and decides to leave the sport in the summer break or goes off to Williams or chances arm with Mercedes as a, as a reserve driver or something. I think it's a question of when it will combust versus if it combusts in my mind. Which I'm, it's the main reason why I'm so shocked about this entire move. Because at least with Alpine you had... An incredibly decent constructor. You had good personnel behind it. You had Ocon, who was going to race fair, race hard, but a decent racer. It was a good competitive environment where you thought you could do something, you could win, you could have a good race. You know, there was good equipment there, and it was all you know of a decent standard, owing to the fact that you know, well, they're fifth in the constructors for a reason. But I'm yet to see this grand reason why Aston Martin is so thrilling to be a part of and why we should be so optimistic and why they will be up there with the top three teams of the future because I mean that yes they did that in for a season to a point when they were racing point but then when we look at the fact that they copied Mercedes in many aspects and we look at the fact that they were cash rich shall we say from one of their previous owners to now Surely it's only going to be a flash in the pan job if they do leap up the table and then they're going to sort of wither back down as they've done. And with Alonso going to Aston Martin, one domino falls and the rest fall with it. And now there's a free seat to Alpine. So the day after Aston Martin made their announcement, Alpine did something similar. On August the 2nd, they tweeted, After four years as part of the Renault and Alpine family, reserve driver Oscar Piastri is being promoted to a race seat alongside Esteban Ocon, starting from 2023, so next season. But a few hours later, Oscar Piastri himself tweeted, I understand without my agreement... Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong, and I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I liked your uh, voice. That was just, you know, 30% petulant child. Um, <laughs> that was my Aussie accent there. <laughs> 70% just you. Did fancy doing the Australian accent. Oh dear. Yeah, so how did this all come around? Well, it's largely believed that in order to tie him down, that's Oscar Piastri, to Alpine, they promised him they would give him a seat by 2023, and that would be given uh, before July the 31st, 
uh, this year. So note there, the tweet came out on the 2nd of August. That will be important later. So Alonso came out. He exited the team after that apparent deadline at the end of July. And we believe uh, Piastri and his team had been in talks, covert talks, with McLaren, with the plans for one young Aussie to replace another come next season. Alpine has said their contract with Oscar Piastri is watertight, despite him saying he won't drive for them. Blimey, where do we start with this one? Yeah, as I mean, never has a driver who has yet to step foot in an F1 car caused so much of a ruckus or a controversy before he's even even got behind the wheel of one. And that's that's literally the case because Oscar Piastri has not yet driven a not even a free practice session. Um, yes, granted, he's been doing lots of testing for Alpine, uh, Pirelli tyre testing as well. For him to come out with this statement and say how he's he's never he's he's never signed a contract with them he doesn't want to drive for them there were some suspicions raised when um it was almost like it was almost like alpine were trying to trick him because they released the statement during what is the middle of the night in australia almost saying oh oscar we got a little surprise for you when you wake up um and also another clue being Usually when these statements come out, there's like a quote from the driver, right? We were talking about the PR stuff, which in Alonso's um, Alonso's statement and Aston Martin's statement, you get the same in any of them. Like, clearly the drivers will be genuinely happy to be there, but you do trot out some like generic language like, oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be with the team. I can't wait to get started. They've really given me a great opportunity here and I'm looking forward to meeting everyone. Some usual stuff like that. But <clears throat> Alpine's statement was missing that. It just had a, a quote from Otmar Safnauer saying, along the lines of, Oscar's a phenomenal talent, we're promoting him at this time because we feel he's, it's time for him to make the step up to Formula 1, la-da-da-da-da, etc, etc. Um, the, real reason be, the real reason behind it being they, um, they were scared that they'd lose him because Alonso's gone, they had no idea he was going. There's rumours that um, on Sunday, well, not rumours. There was an interview with Otmar Safnauer on the weekend in Hungary, saying, "Yeah, we're just sorting things out with Alonso." Alonso saying it will take ten minutes uh, to sign a deal. Also, being incredibly crafty, knowing that he's saying that to the media when he knows he's signed a deal with Aston Martin. Um, cheeky little so and so. So Alpine have lost their two-time world champion. Have gone. Ah, we got a seat, and we we wanted to promote this guy anyway. So let's do it now. Now it comes back to the point, it's kind of in tandem with Alonso's departure really because Alonso, as I said earlier, felt that the deal he was offered by Alpine was not like respectful enough in that he was offered a, a one plus a one more if you're good enough kind of thing instead of a right, settle down for two. And it was almost like for Alonso, he felt like, well, they're just keeping my seat warm for Piastri. And from Piastri's side, it seems that he's thought, well, they're only promoting me because they want to... Um, replace me with Alonso. They don't actually want me to have my own like freedom of choice, because Alpine's original decision with Piastri was to loan him out, and there was lots of rumours with him going to Williams, being a Nicholas Latifi replacement. Now another possible twist to this all is that there was allegedly a clause in Piastri's contract which stipulated that at the end of July, if he did not have a Formula One seat confirmed for 2023. He was free, free to negotiate with anyone he liked on the grid. Okay, so clearly the well not, well, not clearly, but so on thirty first of July, that was the Hungarian race. Monday is when the announcement's gone out about Alonso. So then, Piastri. I mean, clearly he would have spoken to teams uh, beforehand. His manager is Mark Weber, former F one driver. So Weber himself will know all about the kind of the driver market goings on. So Weber, I'm sure, would have been talking to other teams. And the big rumor is that one of these is McLaren. Um, effectively to replace Daniel Ricciardo, which again is another piece of juicy, juicy info that we can get into at either today or a later point. Now, the thing being, Piastri, we don't know that he has a contract with McLaren, but that is what the rumor suggests. Okay, uh, that it would be Norris and Piastri in 2023. What a lineup that would be, by the way. That is tasty. Um, but Alpine have announced him, of course. Now Alpine is going back and forth. Alpine saying that. They will have, um, as the team that's developed Piastri and it, where he is their junior driver, they have jurisdiction over whether they sign him to a contract or not. Piastri, I think, citing the similar reason of disrespect that Alonso did, saying, well, hang on, there's this clause, and two, 
you can't do what you want with me. I want to go my own way. So where does this go now, you may think? Well, the courts, possibly, genuinely, because if neither team backs, if neither Alpine back down, if neither Piastri's representatives back down, if McLaren have a contract with him and they believe it's legitimate, they won't back down because they'd be getting one of the best young talents in Formula One and or outside currently outside of Formula One. And it could get messy because if they don't back down, it'll go to the FIA. There's like a contract recognition board, which basically goes over goes through a long legal process, pours over the details, and at the end will say either you have to go with Alpine, at which point he's with a team who he doesn't even want to race for, or you have to go to McLaren. So it'll be really interesting to see how it develops. It's messy already. Um, you can see why his services are so so sought after. If to put it in context, only only three so only three drivers have ever won Formula Three and Formula Two back to back in their first years and do it. So they've won it as rookies. The other two, uh, you may have heard of them, Charles Leclerc and George Russell. So it kind of shows you that Piastri, if the junior record is to be believed and compared to previously. He's a hell of a talent, so it would suggest as well that him being a Formula 1, he could be quite good. So it's interesting. It's good to see, and it makes sense to see why his signature is so sought after, but yeah, it's, um, it's messy. And it's, it's only August. There's still f- so much of silly season to go, so this could be one that rumbles. So where will he drive then, Angus? Will he go to Alpine, or will he go to McLaren? I mean, at this point, I'd be speculating. Because, oh, course, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess that's what, that's what you want me to do. Um, I'm guessing. But, um, yeah, because literally, not not having sight, <laughs> not know, having, um, Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I do not unfortunately have sight of the contracts which he may or may not have signed. Uh, it's not not. I'll do your my... research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but in terms of where I had to predict, I was. I don't think Alpine will back down. Um, I'd have to say them. Probably because, but then that relationship would be so awkward. You'd, they'd probably be able to repair it, you know, because you just sort of get on with it. But like, if one team's not backing down, there's a very, there's a very famous one, famous incident, which was probably before our time when we started watching Formula One, where Jensen Button, before we got his world championship, he drove for uh, what uh, used to be Honda, and he signed a contract with Williams, and then Honda came out and said, no, he hasn't. He signed a contract with us. And then that went to this contract recognition board, or whatever, um, etc. And it basically came out saying that his contract with Honda was the correct one, and he never got to drive for Williams. Um, mm. That's the only other example. And if it was to reflect that, then Piastri would have to stay at Alpine, which is where he was originally affiliated to. So I would, at this moment in time, I'd say Alpine, but who knows? It's like it's a new, it's new, um, new territory in the driver market. So it'll be fascinating to see where it leads us. Absolutely, and we are all speculating at the moment, frantically refreshing Twitter. It was so exciting. It came out about 8 o'clock uh, UK time. And I'd, I'd, I'd literally just finished getting out of the gym, and my phone was going mad. And I was like, oh, my God, what has happened? You know, this this is amazing. Um, I mean, well, amazing for us. I mean, blimey, poor, poor <laughs> um, Piastri. It must be quite scary, I think, as a, as a, as a young'un. Um, facing his, his his future and and suddenly having to kind of disgruntled one team and making secret deals, I mean, the, just amazing the amount of stuff that the Formula One drivers have to go through at a really early age. I mean, I, I can I can do that. I don't think, and I can't help but think so. Someone isn't telling the truth in all this either. And I, I think I spoke to um, said this before. You know, I can't. I just can't believe Alpine would confirm having out. Oscar Piastri on board without Piastri agreeing, but then I, I, I also can't quite believe that you know Piastri, someone who's joined the um, the Renault and Alpine driver program, has been such a close part of of Alpine for a while now and represented them. I can't believe he would sign and then run away. The implications of that are tumultuous. And and then I I can't also help thinking maybe Alpine panicked and you know Angus you sort of said this they they sort of panicked and went oh well quick Alonso's blindsided everyone with his his shenanigans time to 
announce Piastri, that'll put us all into everyone's good books. And hey, Piastri is desperate for a seat because, well, he was the only one we know that won a Formula 2 championship and then didn't get another seat. Um, quick, you know, let's, let's announce him. And then there's the whole speculation of what's happening with him and McLaren. I just... Whether or not they are going to drop Ricardo in, in favour of Piastri and how McLaren have got involved and and you know this is this is the whole thing I don't think someone's not telling the truth here and I really really want to know who it who it is because it will come out eventually it always does the truth does come out someone will joke about something that's usually how it works someone jokes about something or someone gets angry and then they say well you're the one that ran away from our signing of the contract and you know or something hmm. like that and then we find out that mclaren has bought out his contract or, or something like that you know let's not be you know it's not be around the bush with this one that, that oscar piastri desperately deserves a season formula one for a long time now i thought that other people were keeping his seat warm Fernando Alonso, I thought, was just setting, you know, setting Alpine up for the rise of Piastri. Uh, but I didn't expect it to turn out like this. You know, he was supposed to join in to the sport without too much controversy. But he seems to have really kicked the Formula 1 rumour mill into into high gear. We were already wondering about what was happening with Ricardo, And now, now it's just gone nuts. Um, and all the other teams are joining in on that, I'd, I'd like to add. They all, they all keep saying things like... There's an announcement at 6 p.m. tomorrow, and then we're like, "Yes!" And they're like, <gasps> "We've signed a new, you know, sponsor." And you're like, oh, fine. No, Williams came out by the way in all this in this storm of news and announced that Albon was sticking around for longer. And, and you know, they were like, "We've got an announcement." And we're like, "Who is it? You know, is Latifi going?" No, okay. Um, but well done, Albon. So you know, this has overshadowed mm. everything now for for quite a while, and. I feel like what what the sport needs, what Oscar Piastri needs, what we need is someone just to come out and leak it. Please, can you leak it? Um, yeah, just just let us know. I won't. I won't tell. Uh, well, apart from everyone who listens to this podcast, I tell you all. But don't worry, it'll be our little secret. Mm. You know, just let us know what happened. If if you work for um for Alpine and some reason listening to this podcast, or you know, <laughs> please let us know what what's happened because. It, it seems bizarre that that teams that have so much experience would have would have done this. It, I just Alpine has a you know I like to think a pretty steady head on its shoulders. It, it, if if only because um, Omar Safnauer is there, I, I don't feel like they would have done this and and put pressure on Oscar Piastri to try and get him into this sport without him being at least in some degree, aligned with the idea of having a contract with them. Now, there is one last thing I've seen, and that it's potentially they ran out of time with Piastri, i.e. they had the contract ready, and then they didn't bother getting him to sign it because they offered Alonso the one plus one, and they were holding out for Alonso for a bit longer. So it might well be that they had intended to sign Piastri, jumped in instead with signing Alonso. Alonso scuppered off to, for some reason, the team in green. And that left Alpine with a driver who they were counting on for another year gone and Piastri, who was just outside of that contract time. And they assumed that he would be willing. And of course, it could be that Piastri was therefore making his own deals with another team nefariously behind their back. And of course, mm-hmm. that's left them out to dry. So, you know, if, if Alpine is looking for another driver, maybe chat to McLaren unironically, because it seems like everyone's trying to drive for McLaren at the moment. So, you know, <laughs> McLaren, the car next year for McLaren is actually just going to be a bendy bus. Um, there's, it's going to have Lando yeah. Norris and the number nine London bus um, driving next year. Yeah, I think in many ways, when it comes to this very, very messy affair, first of all, it's very much based on assumption. I think that Alpine just assumed that they were fine and they may well be in the sort of legal terms we're, we're to see. And then Piastri just assumed that, oh, okay, because the supposed deadline at the end of July had passed, that 
he was fine to go and speak to other teams. There was no agreement in place. But I think the wording he's come out of, I will not drive for Alpine next year, mm. is quite damning. And it's hard to come back from that. If he'd have kept it short and ended with, this is wrong, I have not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023, left it at that, that is retrievable. The bridges haven't been burnt. But the last bit is quite critical, isn't it, really? That is very definite. That's an absolute. And I failed to see how he's going to come back from that in terms of complete t- uh, sort of team harmony if he does indeed have to go and race for Alpine next season. But yes, with one domino of Alonso comes many others. And I think really him announcing that he'd be driving for Aston Martin or Aston Martin announcing him really does show that um, his fingerprints are all over this in one way or another. I'm unsure if it is intentional in terms of when this was done or not, but it has led to, as I say, a lot of confusion and assumptions moving forwards. But... Where this all ends, where we go from here, I think in many ways McLaren hold the cards, or they are the next ones who are going to go and, you know, let one domino fall and then another few fall because of that, really. Because let's say, for example, if the rumours are to be believed that Ricardo is going to be dumped by them, where the rumours are that they've told him, that's this being McLaren, have told Ricardo they intend to end his contract early. We've spoken previously about the mechanisms in that contract that Zach Brown has spoken around uh, that would allow them to end that contract early. If they end that contract early and gamble on Piastri going to them, and then the various courts go, mm, afraid not, that's not possible, he's racing for Alpine next season, that leaves both Ricardo, who could potentially be without a seat, and also McLaren in a very sticky situation. So it does depend how watertight they think their supposed contract with Piastri is, or how confident they feel about their position to what they do, because it's a very risky strategy, isn't it, to go all in for Piastri if you are McLaren? Because yes, Piastri is digging his heels in, standing strong, but as we say, Alpine, Renault, a very established, mature team, car manufacturer, the biggest in France, they wouldn't have done this. They wouldn't have jumped the gun in a sort of slapstick fashion and gone, oh, oh we'll chance it. I bet he won't go and move away. I bet he'll just comply with it. They wouldn't have done that. You know, it's not, not a cowboy organisation. So what happens next? Yeah, I could see on the sort of opposite side of that, Ricardo going to Alpine. We've been told that that is possible, that they'd be happy to link up back again and that would be fine. But, um, I think we, we just the beginning, really, what's going to happen here. I feel this is going to rumble on into the beginnings of next season. If I was a betting man, I'd probably say that Alpine, if we're looking at history, as Angus said, they were Jensen Button and Honda. You know, Piastri is probably going to race for Alpine, I would say, if I were a betting man. But when you see the words that's coming out from him, you see the options of Ricardo going back to Alpine. He's going to be a lot more compliant, one would think. And him and Ocon does have a nice ring to it as a driver pairing in terms of experience and legs on it. Do they go, well, I'm afraid, Oscar, you're more hustle than you're worth in many ways. By all means, go to McLaren because the way you've, you've treated us and made us look like fools, essentially, with your comment, which could have been done, I think it's fair to say, behind closed doors on both sides. Um, it's really sort of degraded the brand and made them look a bit cheap and like they don't know what they're doing, which I think is unfair. So it's interesting as well that Albon has signed with Williams as well, a multi-year deal, 26 years old, points twice this season. I think that's a very good signing for Williams, but it also closes off another avenue, both for Alpine and for McLaren moving forwards in terms of who they get, who they want. So... There's little room to manoeuvre, isn't there, as well. There's drivers like Wanyu Zhou, who's also without a contract, but the rumours say he'll go to Alfa Romeo. But for them to lose Guanyu Zhou, that's Alpine, because he was formerly an academy driver there, and for them also to lose Piastri, that is quite concerning for Alpine, because it would insinuate the pipeline is drying up owing to drivers going elsewhere due to a lack of promotion, or another factor, really. So... All to play for, really. There's no winners, clear winners or losers, really, I think, from this. I think one team and one driver and all those involved will go away saying to themselves, well, we got the best deal. And they're saying, oh, well, we got the best deal. But it's quite a messy one. It could have been avoided, really. It definitely could have been avoided. And and to be clear, I have the driver contracts here in front of me. So uh, just to inform you of of who's up for renewal in terms of their contract relatively soon, I'll go through it by team order if i may so mercedes we've got hamilton who's who's in contract to the end of 2023 and and russell who's long term lots of these have long term attached to them because we don't know how many 
years it is there just a multi-year or long-term depending on, on what teams have said then you got red bull with verstappen who is like a 2028 to the end of 2028 and perez who's 2020 and 2024 ferrari leclerc and Sainz are both to the end of 2024 mclaren norris is to the end of 2025 and ricardo which tom you just mentioned is supposed to be on contract till the end of 2023 ocon is to the end of 2024 and um well hmm alonso is now uh was is, is the end of this year and now we know is going off to aston martin so there's a space there now at Al, um at alpine so <laughs> who knows who, who's going to be filling that up gasly's to the end of 2023 um with sonosia to the end of this year so there's a space at, at alpha tauri at the end of this year obviously uh, Vettel is retiring, room replaced by Alonso. Stroll is, well, let's face it, he's there f- for infinitum until, uh, I don't know, he gives up and goes to IndyCar. Latifi is is in contract to the end of this year for Williams. And Albon has just signed beyond 2023. Bottas is in a multi-year contract. So let's face it, that's 2025 at least. Joe is out of contract at the end of this year. Um, so there is a space there. Haas Magnussen is there for a multi-year, which I didn't realise actually. I thought he was only brought in for a couple of years. No, but he's multi-year. So Magnussen's in for Haas, and then Mick Schumacher as well um, is out of contract at the end of this year. So there is space going to be opening up at Williams, at Haas, at Alpha Tauri, and then we are speculating about what's happening to Ricardo. So there is going to be options for someone like Ricardo and. If you are if you are correct in your assumption that Piastri is signing with with McLaren and McLaren are gonna break that contract with with Ricardo, then you know he he should be sitting quite pretty because there's only one thing better than being paid a lot of money for driving around a Formula One car, and that's for being paid a lot of money for being kicked out of driving around a Formula One car. <laughs> um, and I think Ricardo. It's definitely going to do well out of this, whatever happens, because he's either going to be driving for a Formula One car and being, you know, paid lots of, you know, millions and millions of, of Australian dollars, or he's going to be paid millions and millions of Australian dollars for, to be basically his contract terminated early. You know, McLaren do not just get to, to boot someone out without having to pay and buy them out. Um, and so I, I do, I do wonder where do you think, where do you think Ricardo would be best off going? Um, because in an article that came out just earlier today, you know, Otmar Safnauer did say that Daniel Ricciardo would be would be welcome back at Alpine, and maybe given that he had some success there, maybe it would be kind of like a little redemption arc for Ricciardo. What do you think? I think they're all downgrades, though, aren't they, really, when you consider the team he is at the moment. To go to Alpine would be a step down and probably the smallest step down, and I think that's his best option. But I was quite surprised when that came out. I was originally of the thought that, I suppose, as Netflix had depicted it, Ricardo had decided to go to greener grass. He'd left Renault, the then team, in the lurch, really, after they'd invested so much in him. But he'd fled the nest and decided to go to, to better things. But obviously that's not the case. I mean, a return to Alpine, I think, would be good for him. It would be good for Alpine as well, when you consider the current circumstances that's going on and the the uncertainty and the instability in the driver market, I think. But really, I think any lower than that, I mean, there's a chance, obviously, as you say, with Haas and Alfa Romeo, but I wouldn't really touch those two teams if I didn't have to, really, because Bottas is uh, the dominant force there. It seems like Guan Yu Zhou is going to sign anyway, but none of them are too inspiring when it comes to stably getting points and consistently being up there and in a competitive car, really. And sort of the lower down you go the worse it gets, really. So I think if I was Ricardo, I'd happily land on my feet, really, when it comes to going to Alpine. You know, getting paid out of your contract, going to a competitive car is good, but I don't think we should detract from the fact that probably if he does go to Alpine, then in terms of the teams he's raced, raced at prior, he's probably peaked when it comes to McLaren because I can't see him then going from Alpine again to an even bigger team from there. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Like I think... Almost for Ricardo, time's time's not running out, but his reputation's been damaged heavily by the last year and a half at McLaren. Um, and yeah, any move at the moment is either a sideways or a downwards move from McLaren. Um, 
it would only be like if you were in say Alpha Tari, Aston Martin, Haas, Williams. Any other move would be a move up, but otherwise, in that midfield slash lower midfield, any move is sideways, in my opinion. So, yeah, Ricardo back to Alpine maybe, but it's just it's just been a flat move, really. I can't lie. Like, yeah, there's a chance that Alpine get a better card and Ricardo finds his form again, but I think in the um in the saga, which I read, read an article. And I'm now going to keep using this term from now on. It's bit they're calling the whole Piastri saga. They're calling it the Piasco. Um, <laughs> so in the in the Piasco, uh, I think Daniel Ricciardo could be one of the biggest losers out of all of it. Because um, yeah, any move for him is going to all of this is going to result in McLaren. If it could result in his McLaren contact being ended, a contract being ended early, it could result in Alpine being the best option. So um, yeah. Oh, I love that for Piasco. We've got to roll with that from that one. <laughs> that's, a, that's an excellent, excellent phrase. But I, 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 I think I might disagree with you a, a bit, really, because is Alpine a downgrade from from McLaren? And look, and I'm speaking as a fan of McLaren, okay. But yeah, if you had to ask me which one I'd rather be in at the moment, I I might actually pick the Alpine. McLaren hasn't been all that at the moment and they they seem to be stuck in a little bit of a flat spin we we've had a, a an odd art re, uh, return to form with mclaren i was trying to call it a redemption arc but i don't think that's quite appropriate really for mclaren hmm. because the problem you've got i think in the sport now more generally is you can't be a team that purchases parts from another team and expect to be brilliant and the top team just you know when i think of mclaren mercedes i think of mclaren mercedes when lewis hamilton was there the mclaren mercedes that had the silver livery that was super fast and completely dominant and with that there is a little bit of a lie there because that implies that you can purchase your engines from another team and, and, you know, be number one. And I don't think you necessarily can anymore. I think you've in, in, in F1 at the moment, if you want to win, you've got to be the engine manufacturer and the body manufacturer. You've got to be the full package. So you've got Ferrari, you've got Red Bull, you've got Mercedes, and then you've have one more you have alpine because alpine is owned by renault renault and alpine are as one they they produce the engines for for alpine and it was a rebrand this year you know at the end of the day it's mclaren mercedes it would be a massive coup if mclaren was able to beat mercedes and so to consider for a moment a a, a long-term strategy for alpine you know it's only I would say it's not necessarily a downgrade. It reminds me a little bit, actually, of, of when Lewis Hamilton moved over to Mercedes. If you would like a laugh, go back and look at the headlines for Lewis Hamilton <laughs> going over and joining Mercedes for the first time. Great commentators in, in the automotive world, people like Jeremy Clarkson saying it was going to be terrible. Oh, how could he possibly be doing this? You know, every magazine that followed Formula One called it the Lewis Hamilton's, you know, silliest move yet. And the reason for that was because he was moving away from the sort of McLaren team to the team that had the full package. Do you not think it kind of reminds you of the same thing? And of course, you you could well point at me in in a years or two years time if Ricardo actually goes to Alpine and say, "Well, you're wrong. I might be wrong, but I wouldn't be too too quick to dismiss the idea that actually it it could be an advantage in this new era of Formula One to be with a team that does produce all of the parts for the the." the Formula One car from engine to, to chassis to aerodynamics and everything in-house. And maybe Ricardo was a bit silly to move away from it in the first place. I mean, look, if it was only for money, we know full well that Renault were paying him handsomely for his time. So just, what do you think? I just just consider that for a moment. Is, is Alpine actually, maybe, the, you know, the world of 4D chess, the, the smart move here? 
And it seems that's all we've got time for in terms of episode 24 of F1 in Review. Thank you very much for listening all the way to the end of this episode, be that on your preferred podcast provider or via River Radio, be that live or via the Listen Back feature. A reminder, you can follow myself, Tristan, and the F1 in Review account on Twitter. It is just that, F1 in Review, no hyphens, no underscores, no nothing, all one word. And we remain in the summer break, and there's a few more spaces left in the F1 grid, as we say there. A few more loose ends to tie up as well when it comes to the sport moving forwards more generally. So no doubt, we'll have a lot to talk about next episode, and those to come before racing resumes in Spa. Until next time, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next episode.